Reinholds is a social media and creative marketing agency owner, husband, father, DJ, global citizen, keynote speaker, and is proud to bring you the Reinholds Show Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Reinhold Show podcast, and uh, today uh, I have a great guest on. Uh, but before we get to that, I want to thank you for all your iTunes reviews, all of your social media shares, all of your emails and messages in the inbox. Uh, you made this podcast a absolute uh, fantastic success. Scott doesn't know it, but he's our episode 50, so this is marking off a real uh, cool milestone. Scott also doesn't know that, man, we've been so inconsistent with putting out podcasts. We said it was going to be every Sunday. We said it was going to be every Monday, every Saturday. So even my wife kicked me in my butt and said, dude, it's the new year. Get on your podcast. Tell everybody every Monday for the rest of the year, an episode is going to be coming out. So um, Scott Stratton, uh, long story, but short story. Him and I spoke at a, a, a same event in Dealer Talk. There was two things from our back room, green room conversation that we had. That really stuck out. First off, he basically said that he really loves marketing, loves speaking, but doesn't really necessarily love marketing for other companies and whatnot, but un but really, really loves marketing. Um, Scott does not know that this one sentence after this conference almost beat me down like a dog because it was something that coming into the conference to speak about, I kind of said... You know, I really love marketing, but sometimes the handholding of clients, sometimes the uh, a constant emphasis of trying to, you know, share what their vision is or help manage their company or whatever, it just kind of, kind of kills my my spirit. So we're gonna talk all about that. Scott Stratton, two bios. I really love your mini bio. Your mini bio says Scott Stratton is going to yell a lot. <laughs> the end. And I love that bio. But Scott Stratton is the president of Unmarketing. He's written five best-selling business books and was formerly a music industry marketer, national sales training manager, and a college professor. That still makes me really laugh, the college professor part. We will talk about that later. He ran one of the most successful viral video agencies in the world for nearly a decade before solely focusing on speaking at events for companies like Walmart, Pepsi, Adobe, IBM, Microsoft, Cirque du Soleil, and Saks Fifth Avenue when they need help navigating their way through the landscape of business disruption scott welcome to the show man what's up man thank you for having me <laughs> so uh you've been on my linkedin for ages um you have an incredible podcast which i think is really cool um you guys go to places like nashville and almost do like a kind of fireside chat live event with yeah. all your audience which i think is really cool um as we we're about to press record you mentioned something that i think is really interesting and you said you know I mean, it's a landslide in terms of consumption where people are just kind of consuming your podcast audio, but not necessarily video. One question I had for you, and I noticed on your LinkedIn, and I still don't understand is, I never see you put like a video version of your podcast up on LinkedIn. Very, I don't really see it. So why is that? What's the strategy? What's the purpose behind that? Well, with um, podcasting, you know, you've got obviously a... Um there's two types of, of podcast listeners out there. There's people who are podcast hooked yeah. and they're all in and they've been listening for a while and they've realized what this thing is. And there's the other group that is like, um, I want to listen to you, but I'm not sure the term. And, uh, which is, which is the contradictory for us is we call our show the unpodcast. So you're kind of pigeonholed that it's going to be, uh, um, 
an audio show. Podcasting is really is, is audio to most people because part of it's the portability of it, where the, the majority of our show gets consumed in transit on the way to work, uh, traveling, walking the dog, working out. There's it's it's not video friendly necessarily. Um, so we recorded the first few hundred episodes. So for years we recorded not just video, like we did a three camera HD shoot with a crew mm. and, uh, mm. and, and it looked fantastic. And we did that from episode one. Mm. And the, the goal with that was to look like you've been doing it forever and that you belong in the game. One of my problems with podcasting as a medium is that it's so low barrier to entry, which is great. You can grab a mic, you know, people have the the blue, the Yeti or the snowball and you hook it in, you start talking, which is great, which is, I, I, I'm not saying money or cost is a good thing, but <laughs> what it does is it allows you to look or sound amateur. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I always said content is not a training bra. Content <laughs> is not to see how things are, but that's your brand. Yeah. So if you're going to do it, you know, it might be, oh, it's our first show, it's our first uh, or it's our 20th show. But to the listener who you're trying to position yourself in front of, that's this is your this is your show. Mm. And it's got to sound like it belongs. And especially with podcasting, uh, it sounds silly to say, but with podcasting, it's it's so sensitive to mm. uh, to 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 obviously to audio that. I don't care if you have the greatest content in the world, but if your mic's not picking up properly or you're not using a good quality one or there's feedback or you're not taking out the, the, the white noise that's back there, people will stop listening. Yeah, absolutely. And so the focus was going to be audio. We have an audio producer. We still have Wayne, who's been with us for five years now and 250 episodes. And um, that was always the priority. The video, however, was was good for clips. And I like used to, I, we used to clip it out and put it out there and um it was good. It got some traction, but, um, you know, the cost of it and the time of it was a big part. And you have to decide where you put your resources. And we may go back to video. We've done some Facebook mm. lives of us recording it, but I didn't want to put out content for the sake of putting out content. It was what's our best content. And if I couldn't do a three camera shoot with video, I didn't want to put the content out. So our decision was to focus on the audio. And for us with the show, and you mentioned that the, at the top of the show where uh, you know, you're you're trying to get it out every Sunday or every Monday or every, well, <laughs> our show has come out every Wednesday for over five years now, and that has nothing to do with myself and Allison. Allison being my my partner and the co-host, and, and luckily for me, my my wife, and the the co-author of the books. When in reality, she she writes them, and uh, I go on stage and yell. Scott you know, really that's, that's loves like his the, wife. Scott really loves his dude, wife. <laughs> dude, I I uh, I married up in every sense of the imagination. So with but with all that, I knew that if I was in charge of the editing or the posting of the show or anything, it, not only would it not get out 250 Wednesdays in a row, mm. number one wouldn't get out. Mm. Like that's just not what I'm not good at work. <laughs> that's the whole sentence. Like, that's the full stop right there. I'm not good at doing work. If I feel it's work, I'm like, well, I ain't doing this. I own the company. I'm not doing this. What are you talking about? I'm Scott Stratton. Come on. And and so. From episode one, we had a video team, we had a pro audio producer, and then we had a post-show guy who still we still uh, use is based in uh, Tennessee. So what happens is all we do is sit down and record the show, the content, 
And then we pay people to do the work of which they're better at than I would be anyways. Now, here's when I started podcasting, I learned it all. I took Cliff Ravencraft's uh, podcasting mm. A to, 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 to Z course. I learned everything enough to know, like if you took a beginner accounting course to understand the fundamentals of accounting, that doesn't mean you don't hire an accountant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just gives you a general knowledge of stuff. And I'm a firm believer of not improving my weaknesses i honestly it's 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 i i don't want to be better at things i'm not good at there are people who are better at it yeah absolutely and so so what happens is we record it wayne our producer then takes the audio files puts them into dropbox james in tennessee knows that he goes into dropbox takes it listens to the show makes show notes uploads it puts it in the libsyn and then every wednesday i wake up and oh my lord here's another episode and i haven't to do anything now there's a cost associated with that but what is the cost and what's the opportunity cost lost when you don't get episode one out mm. because you wanted to save a couple bucks and not put it out? If you have to bootstrap, I get it. Then learn it and then do it and get it out there. Consistency is important. You do condition your audience for, for a frequency Absolutely. level. But for us, it was let's what what parts and this works for all parts of your business, by the way, what, what parts of this process of my business do I have to 100% be involved in mm -hmm. and yeah. what can I do and as soon as you put a price on your time that let's say I'm worth 200 bucks an hour would I pay somebody $200 an hour to do what I'm doing right now Absolutely. and the answer if the answer is no I will find somebody to do that mm. Mm. so delegation for you is everything it's really interesting because you're a content king you're you're almost like a content chauvinist meaning you want the only the very best crispy content going out I, I i had a conversation with another gentleman who who's kind of he works a lot heavy in traditional media still as a producer and I, you know i go to his instagram and i'm like come on rich like that's not your real life like everything is he's standing by like a mercedes and it's top down i'm like show me like a pic i want to see your wife maybe your kids like like and, yeah. and, and me and him had a huge disagreement he said ryan i come from a very traditional producing background where I only want my content to be super crispy. Now, that being said, somebody that's listening to a podcast saying, you know, Scott, I would like to start. I might want to start my YouTube channel. Would you say, I mean, for you, you said I started like I went hot and heavy on episode one. But would you recommend that for everybody? Or would you say if you don't have that, like just start, meaning it, it might not be great, but is good enough. OK, as long as yeah. you're starting. Right. Well, there's and this is where I don't want people to get mistaken here that it's it, you get this perfection paralysis thing happening. Yes. And if it's not looking if it's not looking or, or doing a certain way, what, I, what I'm saying is, is that you need you need to learn things first. There are so there's no excuse to not at least be able to understand how uh, recording a video works, recording at, at a base level. Mm. That there's enough tutorials out there. There's enough courses out there that can say, look. Just make sure you do this, this and this, because it's not our audience isn't very forgiving, at least outside of your immediate circle. Mm. They're just they're, and you're not going to know. They're just going to stop listening, stop playing. And then when they see something come up again, they're not going to. It's like I already tried that. Yeah. And it's not to say you can only do it if you have a producer and a film crew and a post show guy. It's saying, look, how good can we get it within the means I've got? And then try it. But then you can practice it like you can. I, I'm not. I'm not of the, the school of thought of just ship it. I, I'm of the school of thought of just try it mm, in a mm, closed circuit, mm. right? Record it locally, 
send it to people and say, how does this sound or how does this look? What can I do? So when the first show comes out, yes, the the hundredth show will be better than the first. Well, you, you hope it will be. Mm. And but the point is, is saying the first one, though, is is uh, any of those can be the first one for a new listener or a new person in your your target market. So how what's the best I can do and the point I'm at right now in my learning process or financially? What can I afford to do? And that's where it's not about only be HD and, 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 and amazing the first time. It's how can we do the best that we've got and the resources we have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one thing I think and kind of wonder is what made you choose to do a podcast and go very consistent with a podcast as opposed to, say, like a rock star YouTube channel? What, what was it about podcasting that was so appealing for you? And well, I mean, with, five years ago, podcasting still is like, very new in that sense right well i think that a couple of things that that really allowed um, us and to want to do the show uh was the fact that we could record it uh once a month so we yep. pick a recording day and we say we're going to record on this day and then because of my my travel i, I mm. you know i'm on i did 70 keynotes last year so mm. it's like i i'm on the road 150 days a year i can't be in a quiet place recording something once yep. once every week so the schedule had to work. Uh, secondly, it allowed Allison and I to to do a show together. And it's my favorite thing in the world for us to do that. Um, and also the best part about a podcast versus, let's say, some kind of you know YouTube channel stuff is it keeps us on top of content. So every, the second we stop recording that month worth of shows, I'm making a new list for next month's show. And we just start having a running list on my phone of articles and things that have come up. So it keeps us fresh on top mm. instead of just starting to read content because we have a book that's going to be written. It's going to be the show is a constant consumer of this content that I have to stay on top of. So when somebody says, did you hear about this story? I'm like, yeah, we talked about it on the show two weeks ago. Like I've got I'm always on top of it. Otherwise, my talks can start getting stale <laughs> or, or something like something. So it always keeps me going. And, I, and we just love doing it. I, I love nothing than sitting across from the table from Alice and us discussing something ridiculous that's happened out there. In, in the business world and and to the point where and there was a shift for me and this is this is real I think really important for people to hear that about a year ago I stopped looking at download numbers okay I stopped looking at download numbers and I stopped looking at sales numbers for the books um, because I was getting stressed it was like I think one or two books ago and I'm like you know you know you're trying to when the book comes out you're just pressured and you gotta move books and you'll you'll sell yourself for book, for book sales and I'm yeah. like and it was like our fourth book and I'm like like Ugh, it's so stressful and Allison <laughs> looks at me and says our book is a success the second it's submitted to the publisher Absolutely. that's when we that's when all of our control is gone and have you created the best book and just like the show when we're done recording was that the best show we could have delivered yes then walk away mm, like mm. that and that's for me i have no idea who's how many people listen to our show in the past year mm, interesting that's, yeah interesting I, and i'm a numbers guy i'm a data guy yeah. and and I look at those and I look at don't want to see the trends and why this episode spiked a bit and this one didn't. And and I stopped and I'm telling you, man, it it's a whole new show for me. What about Scott? If we go all the way back, the one thing I remember you speaking and I mean, your whole infamous debtless story and the fact that you're on your phone and Twitter and you got the the passenger lady or the, 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 the stewardess or flight attendant going through and you're standing in line. You're saying, why does she get to go through? And, you know, the whole the whole the whole spiel there, I think, was amazing. But. When did you become extremely dialed in to your strength of really understanding, taking in, observing, 
reading people on on big levels and very minute levels like when you storytell inside of your speak speaking i think you're a great speaker because you're a fantastic storyteller and you don't go over the top of people's heads necessarily you you get very like i mean as soon as somebody leaves the, the conference they could probably oh my god scott just talked about that you're very yeah. very on point but were you this observant kid as a child were you somebody that talked a lot in class and got in yeah. trouble all the time were you a complete nerd and said i love numbers and i want to read books all day like who the hell are you because i I've, I've i've watched like hours of video um and you can thank my wife for allowing me to do that because I, I said <laughs> like I, I read all the comments and people like people love you scott you're the man scott you're awesome scott you're canadian i didn't even know you were canadian like everything comes out <laughs> but how did that if we go all the way back like how did that even come into fruition just who are you and why do you love that so much <laughs> all right that's such a deep question it's a deep it's a deep question <laughs> i've always i've always get i've always gotten paid to observe that's been my world my my i've always gotten paid to give my opinion i'm a verbal columnist okay when it comes to things and and so my whole career has been you know when i've run my own business has been consulting or you know working on um, uh, content it's always been what do i think is about something and i've always i just never been afraid to speak my mind i've never been afraid to that's how i built my original platform my original following like it was twitter that put me on the map of publishers and of people it was like 2010, 2011. I was the most influential Canadian on Twitter until until mm. Bieber showed showed up and screwed <laughs> it all up all of us. But that was like that was my world where the, Twitter was a perfect uh, platform for me because it was this, you know these pithy little kind of one liners or observations that I could do. Um, and this is back when you couldn't retweet well and you couldn't quote the right way and like all that type of stuff. So I understood where you know I always understood community and how it worked and how nobody really gets attracted to people who sit on the fence mm. you know it hurts it's not a comfortable place to sit and nobody gets attracted to it and i found most people were afraid to take a stand because they were afraid of repelling people and that's the thing with polarization you're going to push people both ways mm. and i was okay with the rebelling side of it and those are the ones actually who would retweet more or comment more with people <laughs> who were against that's what i was saying and people would say, well, you just can't say it. Nothing's black and white. I'm like, well, if we don't if we don't give an opinion, I, mean, I was very strong on my opinions back then about what social media should be like. And people were like, well, who made you the sheriff? And I'm like me. Welcome. You know, welcome <laughs> to, the, to welcome to my town. And uh, you just keep your you keep your P's and Q's. And, and, and that was because there was to me, I think there was a there was a void for that. There was a, a, a gap for that. But it also allows me to one of the things is. And, and, and it ties into the question about doing the show is my job is not only to to tell what I think, but to I do more observing than anything. I mm. do more reading and watching and analyzing than I do talking because mm. I don't think if you talk without doing the other part, then you just flap in your gums. Mm. And that uh, that allowed me to shift what I was known as a, a keynote speaker for. Like I haven't spoken about social media on a keynote in three years, three, four years. Um, and uh, us now about business disruption and what we're there's not a lot of social media let's say keynotes mm. up for grabs than there was in 2011 and mm. 2012 and it's where my passion about a topic is like I get tired talking about social media at this point yeah, yeah. My, my thing is now is like okay so what's going on now what's going on next and how do we deal with it and so I was able to make that shift in my speaking career uh, consciously versus waiting to, for the bookings to dry up and say, okay, now why, 
you know, be able to see what's coming and where we spend our energy. Because people come to me and say, what do you think is going to happen in our industry? And then, you know, people people place their bets on it sometimes. Mm. And you have to be able to be the authority in that. And here's the thing is nobody nobody gives you the expert championship belt, right? Nobody walks in there with the belt <laughs> and like lays it on your shoulder. <laughs> You're like, You're now the expert in this. And, and people are so afraid to... There's two groups, right? There's people who are always calling themselves an expert and best in all these type of things. And then there's a majority of the world who doesn't want it. They're like, well, I don't, I don't, I'm not the expert. And there's a difference between <laughs> an expert and the expert. And so, so, you know, I'm, I walk in, I, I just, I, I know being an expert in something is being knowing more than the average person in the field about something. And I, I think that I can hold that crown if I live and breathe and consume that stuff. Well, it's kind of like uh, kind of going and ties into to several things, but you know, it's kind of like somebody calling themselves a guru, right? That scares the shit out of me. It really scares the crap out of me. And then if somebody comes in and says, I'm the expert, it's like, if you're the expert, let other people say that you're the expert, but don't right, actually you right. come in and say the expert. And that kind of it's goes like leader. It's like, the, it's like the word leader, right? <laughs> I'm a leader. No leader is a verb, right? It's who yeah. follows you. It's not the title. Yeah. You know, and even my title for my company, my marketing company is just chief relationship builder because all I'm really doing is building relationships, both with clients, both with consumers and I don't know. I'm just a really low key chilled guy, but I have a lot going in on in my brain at all times. And, you know, coming up the way I did, you know, I've done I mean, by the time I was like 21 and then went and played football, I worked so many jobs. And I was like, what the heck do I want to do with my life? And then entrepreneurship was where I wanted to go. That being said, for you to say I love marketing, but the whole marketing for clients is really not my cup of tea. And here's what I, I just heard the same statement a few months back. Seth Golden said the same thing. He said, I don't market for other companies. And I, I remember the interviewer, he was like, he like literally sat back in his chair. He's like, what? Like he was so shocked by this. Why is that? And like, how does that change the game for other marketing people that maybe do feel that way where you say, I'm Scott. I really think this person's very good at marketing, but they're not necessarily enjoying marketing for other clients first of all how can that person make a living or how could they repurpose their skill into kind of something that you did which is very unique and innovative just in that alone well i it's more as it's more common than people think right most marketers don't like marketing for other people necessarily and it depends though like some marketers where you have a big budget with the company it's nice you know you can have millions to spend versus yourself and I used to manage bands in Toronto and I'm like, my marketing budget was minus $5. Like I was already in the hole the second I stepped out because I had to take the streetcar over to start doing it. And so I, I get it. It depends on the circumstance. And yeah. the problem is, you know, when you're internal marketing, when you're a marketer as an employee for a company, you're obviously up to the whim and the constraints of, of whoever you're reporting to, whoever approves your budget. You know, and and they have different ideas and you're you know, you're not in there necessarily for your ideas. You're in there to execute the company's vision of whatever that may be and whatever that changes to on but sometimes a daily basis, mm. depending on where you're working as a consultant who has multiple clients. Well, now you have that just times five or 10 or 50. And the problem is, if you position yourself as an expert and people that hire you, but then they tell you what to do, it's mind blowing to me. Like when I ran the viral video company which was, as you read in the bio, it's one of the most successful viral video agencies yes. in the world. At the yes. time, people came to me and they, they were like begging for us to make these videos for them. And then they try to tell me how to make it. And I once had a woman, a client say to me, are you trying to tell me I don't understand viral videos? And I said, yes. <laughs> yes, but you wouldn't have hired us. Yeah. Like what? 
why if you know what you're why do you you don't need us and so that was the whole part of the consultant it was you know uh, you, you you pay uh, uh, usually a premium to have a consultant come in versus an internal person and you pay them a lot of money to ignore what they told you to do. Mm, mm. You know, and then they, and then you get upset because you're not meeting your your goals or your metrics and you're like, you didn't do what I said. And um, and that became really frustrating. I was I consulted for a long time. I did business coaching for a long time and that, that kind of burned me out of this stuff. Mm. I was just tired of it. And the other problem was it's like you had to hit a not a home run. You had to hit a grand slam every week or every month and we had one client we made them i think it was three and a half million dollars on one idea in one week and that was more than they made in a year on that product and so you know we were giddy and the next week we hop on a call they're like okay what's next Jeez. and i'm like you should be writing us a check every month for the next two years and, and not talk to us like it's mm. and that was the problem it's like a home run every single meeting or every single time and that's just not how stuff works yeah. and you know, marketing is about building awareness, hopefully driving, you know, people towards the sales side of it and driving action and well, branding and awareness and, and brand recall. It takes time. That's mm. not a series of a couple tweets or an Instagram post like strategy is supposed to be that it's supposed to be a strategy and strategy is not a plan on a day to day basis. Strategy is on a quarterly to a yearly basis. And the problem is we'll see something and then something will happen. They're like, oh, the Instagram egg thing. How do we incorporate an egg into our brand now, Scott? And you're just like, no, 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 no. So what I do and what I think people listening right now can do as well is I'll just kind of keep my toe in the water and I will do I'll test stuff out there for myself. Mm. So when I had a video go viral on Facebook a year or so ago and it got like 13 million views, which means nothing, by the way, <laughs> um, but it got 13 million views. I test I did a split test of it just so I had the data. Mm. Just so when people said, hey, you should do this. I'm like, well, I did. And <laughs> this is actually what the, the numbers showed me. And I, I do it just to piss some people off. Sometimes I do it to show people I still know what I'm doing. But that was like I did my own thing to test out my own stuff. And sometimes when you're in the constraints of a client-based business or you're actually an employee, you don't have that freedom. Well, you got to start a, space, a place that you can do that. At least you can test your own stuff. And then sometimes you just got to do it. Like I, I only stopped consulting because I was able to. Mm. You know, I stopped consulting in 2011 because speaking took off. Mm -hmm. and, and I would turn around and start it again if speaking wasn't still going strong. Like at the end of the day, what I do now is a privilege to be able to stop consulting is a privilege. Mm. You know, we have, we have five kids I know. You know, have, sitting I know. in this house right now. This is the house we bought because of what we have built. Yeah. And to keep this house, I will continue doing whatever it takes to do. Like, like I get on stage with, I, I wear jeans and a kind of a, a, a polo black shirt and my boots and people are like, Oh, it's so, you know, it's so Scott. And you got, and I got my, my beard and the tattoos and they're like, I'm like, look, I would wear a tuxedo. If I wasn't getting gigs, I would wear a tuxedo. I would wear a suit. I would do anything to provide my family. And luckily, there's a, a we have a certain success at this point now where I can be able to say, look, this is what I do. And if somebody says, well, if you don't wear a blazer or a sport coat on stage, we're not going to book you. And I can say no. Mm. What, what what for you, though, is the line like this is a great point. I mean, I mean, OK, so I'm looking at Scott Stratton, the real Scott Stratton. 
you got the beard you got the man bun i always wonder though if you ever sh- chop off the, the man bun then you can't use the hashtag book the bun right like th- right. that would be a huge Problem. misrepresentation I'm gonna, keep, I'm gonna keep it with <laughs> even if I have three hairs in my head now yeah so now you're you're scott stratton and i'm not saying i don't want to um make it seem like what you just said i don't want to walk you down a different lane but the way i can interpret that is this you're willing to do anything to make sure that you can provide for your family which is huge you're willing to repurpose you're willing to you know transform up your game whatever whatever it takes however financially now you're in a position where you can say like i'm good of course i want your business i appreciate it would love gigs but i'm okay to say ah, that's not for me this is for me what's the difference between somebody maybe not showcasing who they really are in terms of authenticity and then saying well i'm going to do what i got to do like where is that line of well i'm still authentic but I still got to make some money and provide for my family sure. without trying to lose my core self in that process. Well, I think that being a fully authentic is a privilege, right? <laughs> Where like, really it, it's, it's, and the term authentic, it's thrown around so much. Oh, and the yeah. sad thing now it's a buzz term, right? Where being, you, you already are authentic, you know, that because you're you and the, 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 being authentic doesn't mean not having a filter. Yes. Right. Being authentic doesn't mean you're, you're if you're authentically an asshole, then you know, <laughs> it might not work out for you, you know, and I don't think everybody needs to be authentic, nor do I think businesses need to be. And people are like, well, to be successful as a keynote speaker, you have to be authentic and transparent. I'm like some of the best speakers, like the most successful speakers in the world are the biggest pricks I know. Like it's not <laughs> it's not true. And I, I shared something a few weeks ago on Instagram, on Facebook of this, you know, the keys to success, successful people do this, 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 this unsuccessful, hundred percent untrue, one hundred percent untrue because it's exactly it's the re, the way to be a good person is all these things, but it has nothing to do with success. Success is a combination of luck, timing, skill and effort. And, and and all those things go together it has nothing to do with personality. You also include you also included circumstance in there. It, yes. On that list. And, and and that to me was the number one word that stood out because I, I feel like circumstance, I mean, huge word. Um, some aspects of it can be manipulated. Some can't be manipulated um, for you. Like circumstance, how big is that in that process for you? Well, it's 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 I think it's huge. And I think but I also think that when you to recognize that when you're within those circumstances to be able to see your environment and the marketplace and everything and to be able to react to that. Uh, is better be better be a stronger force than your resistance to change into a comfort zone. Mm. And so people say, well, that's not authentically me. Or, and then we use authenticity as an excuse. <laughs> right. Well, I can't do that's not me. It's my, well, it's it's look, it's you need to do what you got to do. But that that doesn't mean that you know, like I would go work anywhere if I had to provide. Like it's not the the point is how much of the raw you mm. right that's authenticity right they raw you this is this is all me like i don't i don't use any kind of curse words on stage although i did say asshole two days ago on stage but i didn't mean to um but i don't swear on stage and i certainly swear off the stage and that's my choice of how far that authenticity filter goes i don't tweet about religion or politics and i'm uh, i'm kind of an atheist agnostic in both right? i don't believe in politicians or legend and so but i don't tweet about that stuff and i don't show it so, so i still have my lines i still have my filters and i'm not an idiot i know what clients don't book me as a keynote speaker because they think i'm a disruptive guy or i yell a lot which i do both of <laughs> they they want to book me because i'm going to to do what i do on stage up to a certain point mm. and i'm not going to cross that line yeah 
meeting planners and event people and people who bring me and other speakers into events are very risk averse. Okay. Just like most people are, except you're on the hook and you are on stage and there is no way out. And that person on stage says something off putting or swears or takes a shot at whatever the sensitive thing is in the room then it doesn't matter how good you are, your your oral ability or your your stage or your, even your content, that person's going to get in crap and that's your fault. And uh, that so there's a there's a line there. And so I'm never 100 percent authentic, nor do I think anybody is unless they live on a mountain off the grid and have nobody to to, to report to or anything that may be sure. Mm. But in business, we need other people to buy into what we're doing. And you could be 100% authentic, but if that thing does not attract clients, then maybe you have to tweak it a little. Mm, Um, mm. um, I I used to, being from the music business, I used to tell artists, it was, they're like, but I want to play the songs, you know, that I wrote and it's true to me. And I'm like, you can play them all day long, but if you want to make a living, Mm. you may have to shift them a bit. And, And like musicians and artists were the first people to preach authenticity before we had the word mm, right it was absolutely because any because any musician who became successful was deemed a sellout yeah yeah right yeah, and and, and, and that's what blew my mind and i'm like I'm, like i'm a i'm a big metallica fan and when the black album came out that was a monumental album i lined up at sunrise records for that bad boy like i was ready to listen and and next thing you know there was a ballad on it a slow song metal band and the godfathers of metal depending <laughs> on who you ask and the people are like they're selling out i'm like no they're just trying something else and it's okay you choose whether they use they sell absolutely but yeah. selling out the, the second i took a penny to do anything that's selling out like but i don't think being authentic means you're a volunteer for everything that's right? you true. can make a living and still be it so so you basically you you still have to appeal I always say, I mean, you can be authentic, but you can still be authentic with poise and class. And, and and I think that when you kind of feel that and you've been in the presence of that, whether you hear a great speaker or you just have an everyday conversation, you walk away saying, man, that person's sharp. Um, for you personally, especially with speaking, is there anybody who you or maybe in the whole history of Scott Stratton that you've met that you're just like, God, like I, I, I'm, a, I'm a man fan of this person. Like I... Oh, really yeah. admire like somebody who just set it off for you and you said i thought i was good i thought my my i was crafting my skill but man this person's actually gave me a jolt to work even harder to just perfect that is there anybody you can name that you're just like wow love this person yeah well well a couple well see luckily for me one of the coolest things about what i do being um uh you know with the books and with the talks is that i get to be colleagues and friends with the people i read books from you know yes. that i so you go into a bookstore and I'm in the business section. I'm like friends with them, friends with them, friends with them. I know them. I know them. Yeah, that is the coolest thing in the world to me to be able to do that. And um, uh, so when it comes down to um, is the connection coming through OK for you? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I can hear you. OK, good. Yep. I just got a poor note. Oh, that's OK. okay so. That's okay. Um, so we have this. Uh, uh, thing where so now I, I text every day with two Canadian we call us the angry Canadian marketing speakers with Mitch Joel and Ron Tight and uh, they're two of the smartest guys in the room and I love watching both of them speak and that makes me up my game mm. and I my best compliment I can give somebody is that they're a threat to my business Ooh. you know because they're so good they're so good and uh, yeah and that's the so you need you need that but you need that group of people 
too to 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 be able to tell to call you out on your crap. Mm. You know that you know you're being too you know too moody about this or this is like I, I complain about the most ridiculous things in the world. You know, I, an event wants a this, this slide deck three days ahead of time, and I'm like, oh come on, mm. you know, and it would take me 32 seconds to put it together, and um, but I don't want to relinquish control, you know, and and so they'll put me in check for that or, and and my world is so you know, lone wolf, kind of so isolating on the road that Absolutely. you don't have your workplace lunchroom, you don't have the yeah. water cooler. And so to have that, it's important. Absolutely. I think that's, I think that's amazing. Uh, you know, given the fact that I guess you have a circle that can call you out on it when you are on the road, um, what, how do you travel? Are you a diva? Do you like your first class? Do you, do you like yes. your nice hotels? Um, what, for you, because you've, I mean, I know you've mastered probably the roll up and everything like that, but by now, what for you when you travel is an absolute necessity uh, just to make that kind of trip go a little bit further and kind of give you that comfort that you need? Oh, dude, I, uh, <laughs> I am the biggest travel diva in the history of the earth. Like I, I did, I was, I did uh, 300,000 kilometers in the air last year. So it was, you know, I, you need certain that you have your routines. And so for me, you know, I need my Bose noise canceling over the ear headphones. I need my iPad, which is my, my entertainment center. Um, and then, you know, I have my, my, I get on, I have a, I have a, my Spotify playlist. I have a relaxed playlist, which is like 60 nice smooth sounds that I put on. And what happens is I get on and, and some, some of the kids and I also can make fun of me for it. I, I, I'm not good at, minding my own business so um although i've made a career out of it which is great and so i'll be on the plane and i'll, I'll do this neck kind of flamingo crane thing where i'm listening to somebody and, and then and that's my realization is like oh i don't have my headphones on so i put those headphones on and i stop craning or i stop listening and i just go back into my own world so you know i have a routine and what i gotta do so i have to have the bow so i have to have the ipad i have to have my earplugs because staying in hotels right there's just noises all over the place mm. um and then there's just very certain small amount of things, but you know, headphones, iPad, and earplugs, I can go most places. Absolutely. Um, unmarketing, unlearn, unpodcast, arguably the two letters that are the most important in all of those is the un, the U, the N. I mean, that that to me is the showpiece. What about that inspired it? Um, what is the crusade behind saying? Whatever you've learned or whatever's going on, please try to rewind that back and kind of come out a different avenue. Uh, how How is the perception on that? How did you guys come up with that? And what does that UN really mean to you? So it was, it was about, um, I would say, almost 20 years ago. Um, I had come up with on marketing because I thought it would look good on a book cover. Mm. And, uh, and um, may I say, it does. It does. And, it, uh, does. Uh, it does. It's sexy. And it is. Yeah, thank you. And it, it was it was unmarketing came out of I'm, my brain works on hooks, right? I'm looking for the hook, and so it's the headline, it's the title, it's something that will will create curiosity. And then I looked at my my thought process of against current marketing and and, and classical marketing. And here's here's really the way it started. It was when I, I used to be the national sales training manager of a company, and I went into some one of the friend's office there, and his phone rang, and it was a cold call. It was somebody trying to pitch him something and he berated the guy on the phone. He's just like, you can get a real job. Stop interrupting people who are actually working. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And he hung up the phone and we kind of just chatted about that and kind of laughed about that world. And then he's like, hey, Scott, I got to go. I got to go do my calls. 
I'm like, you just ripped on a guy for calling you and now you're going to go do it. He's like, yeah, but I have something people need. And I'm like, there we go. So it was like this hypocritical marketing that I thought this is not flying. And I said, there's got to be other people out there who believe that relationships build business. And I, then the line came out then was, if you believe that relationships build business, then make building them your business. And, and I started looking at that and this is back in the day that, you know, this is 20 years ago. There's no social. There's a, we had, we had message boards yeah, and yeah, forums yeah. You know, running on PHP BB forums and, and topic based. And I noticed that these, these communities really connected with each other and they're really strong. And so you, you, you always look at the why, why they're all centered around a certain topic or a certain passion or a certain circumstance. Mm. Right? And then they were also moderated. Mm. Right. And that's, that's one of our problems with things like social media today is the lack of moderation in them allows things to go off the rails very quickly. Mm. So it was the, the community, the like issues, the support and the ability to then upvote things and get the, you know, and which is now we see in things like Facebook with likes and, yeah. and, and yeah. The, the reactions and stuff. That's all from the old days. And I originally called unmarketing. The first iteration of unmarketing was unmarketing how to market your business without spending a dime. Mm. That was the name of the business. I always found the best marketing wasn't the ones that it was it was anti-advertising. That's what mm. it came down to. Mm. And the problem with that tagline is it only attracted clients who had no money. Mm. Which, mm. <laughs> which <laughs> is not good when you're trying to sell a service to Absolutely. people. Uh, <laughs> So the principle was that the best marketing was free mon money wise. Yeah. But that wasn't the actual strong point. It was marketing, you know, marketing well yes. by connecting with people. So I changed it to stop marketing, start engaging. Mm. And uh, that changed the target for it. And uh, and it was just it always stuck with me. And I knew that was going to be the company eventually. And uh I didn't own the domain name. I had un un marketing.com. Do you know how big of a pain in the ass that is when you're on an interview like this or on the radio? And they're like, Scott, so where can people find you? And I'm like, I go to un marketing.com. And they're like, oh, okay, so that's U-N-H-Y-P-H-E-N. I'm like, no, 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 not the word hyphen. There's a dash. Okay, so D-A-S-8. No, no, no. It's a dash in the. And so what happened was like, 12, 13 years ago, I reached out to the person who had owned unmarketing.com without the dash. Mm. And it wasn't being used. It was like a holding. It was like a parked kind of yep. page back yep. then. And uh, I wrote to him like, hey, man, um, can I can I buy this off of you? Actually, it was, no, it was like almost 20 years ago. I was in college. <clears throat> and he's like, uh, I got plans for it. He's like, I can let it go for a grand. I just got out of college. A grand is like, it's a million dollars, you know, like that's what it's like, thanks. And, but if you said anything over $9, I'm not buying this domain off you. Yeah. So anyways, I didn't, I didn't pester them and I started building the brand and building the brand and the book came out and then it was blowing up and things got really big. And then about three years ago or so, right around Christmas time, I get an email from this guy. I hadn't talked to him in like, like I swear, 15 years. And he writes to me and he's like, the subject's line says, I wish you were more of an asshole. Oh. And I open the email up and it's this guy. He's like, Scott, I just wish you were more of an asshole because I have gotten many offers for the domain in the past few years because of the traffic it brings naturally. Mm. And I own a bunch of domains and like, this is what you do. You flip them. And he says, uh, you, you never once came at me and said that was your IP or your uh. copyright or 
demand the name. You didn't say I was squatting. You just didn't, you didn't do any, like you just were nice about it. So he says, Merry Christmas. Oh. And the next email was a domain transfer notice oh, from GoDaddy. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. So he, and he just gave it to me. That's amazing. So you basically kind a, of went on your own thesis. That was a whole, your own thesis for the, all of that. That's beautiful. Right? That's beautiful. But that's, that's also why I've, we've never trademarked the term unmarketing and un, unselling or unbranding. It, one, I don't want to have to put that freaking trademark symbol after every time it's <laughs> typed or spoken. Yeah. But also with trademarks is you have to enforce them. And if you don't enforce them every single time, then you risk losing your trademark if you don't defend it. And it just it's so outside of the brand for me. Mm. Um, and since then, people have come out with other books called Unmarketing and some people do it. And I'm like, well, and, but the funny thing is, uh, the nice thing for me is we, we've branded it so strong for so long that any time any company uses un in anything, <laughs> it, you get messages people saying, hey, did they, they run this by you or did they rip you off? I'm like, I don't actually own the letters UN. Like it's not <laughs> it's not under my property. Now, if you think it's uh, it's our domain like this is our thing then that's a nice compliment to our brand but we certainly don't have ownership for it there's some guys out west here in the automotive sector that do these workshops and i, I when i seen this workshop come out and it was called the unworkshop and i'm like okay come on stop doing the on it you, it just gets to the point where you're like okay like come on man just don't know like undone on this like it's too much I, it just becomes it just becomes like there's the unconference the un i'm like okay come on like and you're very right when i when i hear un i'm like well that's scott you know on marketing yeah, and on yeah, podcast yeah. and but there's yeah. like just keep it to him <laughs> content snake oil salespeople you are the most uh brutal uh um sarcastic emphatic evocative um um empathetic um crazed person when it comes to snake oil salespeople when it comes to basically just ripping people's crap off um just pushing out a message that is so far from the absolute truth the you know get rich overnight the you can master social media in 15 days or 15 hours you're yeah. extremely passionate is this a crusade for the respect that you have for marketing as a whole, as an industry in general, for the people that actually do market very well or, or, you know, pride themselves on being great marketeers. Is it, or is it something that for you personally, you're just like, I don't like it as a consumer. I hate it. Or is it all of the above? Why are you so, to me, you made a big brand on this. I think you get a lot of work in business because yeah. of this sarcastic yeah. slash, Hey guys, look at this post I seen on social media. Detla, for instance, right? Like you just yeah, rip yeah. people and they love it. I see the comments like, oh, Scott, Scott's back up. Haven't seen you for a while, Scott. Hey, how are you? <laughs> What's what is up with that? Is that just you? I don't have any respect for marketers I, I, at all. Mm. Um, uh, it's, and, and it's not saying I, I, I disrespect them or I, I don't. I, literally, it's 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 a neutral thing to me. It's, it's an individual basing. I'm not trying to protect marketing. Uh, as mm. an industry, mm. uh, I think we've, we, I think marketing has done it to themselves just <laughs> fine of, 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 you know, not being trusted. Um, you know, as, as, as Seth, Seth said in one of the books, right? All marketers are liars. And <laughs> I, what I respect is community. And mm. what I respect is, is, is the fact that we, w the internet's built on trust. Mm. Mm. You know, the review ecosystem is a very powerful driver of business. When people mess with that, I don't like it. Mm. And um, I don't like bullies. I don't like brands that'll, you know, throw their weight around or their money around and affect trust. And I think if we break the trust, the, the, like the Internet, the, the web, as it's rarely called now, 
but the web is a web of trust. Mm. It's spun with trust and we have to trust that when we go to a website, we're reading something that it's true um, or within our own parameters, it's true. Uh, we need to trust that we go read a review on Yelp or, or on the iTunes, on the App Store or on a podcast thing mm. where it's not our friend just reviewing our show, that that's a listener. And, and if not, there's a disclosure. Mm. And that's more my problem is that's one of our our, our rare blog posts on our marketing is us getting Bell Canada fined $1.25 million for astroturfing reviews of their app. We got them fined over a million dollars because they were lying. Mm. And, uh, and and people were like, well, what? who cares? And I'm like, well, I do. <laughs> yeah, that's so great. That's so great. I, I, I care. I care <laughs> that this is real and right and true and just. And Because ethics isn't a renewable resource. Mm. You don't get it back every quarter as a marketer and say, well, let's try to be good again. You know, mm. it's gone. You've compromised that. And same with a brand. And I think trust drives a lot of things. I think we have to trust certain we have to trust every like product wise and service wise that we buy, but there's different levels of trust. You know, we have to, when we go buy a bag of chips, we have to trust that the chips are not toxic and healthy and everything. But if we hire a consultant, you mm. know, we have to trust you implicitly on every level. You're not going to give away what we're telling you. You understand my business. You have my best interests in mind. When somebody promotes a product on Instagram, I want to know that you bought that with your own money. Therefore, you have a different view of it. Mm. And people don't disclose that where it's a or it's a hashtag buried under 40 hashtags where, you know, I, I don't. I, you know, when we share something, I want to be able to say, look, this is like when I share a post from Emma who sponsors mm. our show, I've mm. got to put it, even when I retweeted something yesterday, because they had a, they just acquired two companies and I shared it and I put hashtag on podcast sponsor mm. uh, um, because, you know, I also have to be very careful that I don't slip up because I'm the one putting everybody on blast. So <laughs> you got to make sure that we got a lot of people lined up waiting. Oh for, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Scott trip up on something. And, 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 but that's okay for me. I just think that I have, I have, you know, we've created a brand that is, that it really is us that Dallas and I both do give a damn mm. about doing it right. And that company's doing it right. And I think you can make a very successful company with keeping everybody in mind and, and keeping, treating customers well and suppliers and employees mm. when still also increasing the bottom line. There is a way to do that. And the companies that are trying to shortcut things, anything becomes successful, the companies will come, marketers come and ruin it. That's one of the things we put in one of the books, right? Absolutely. As soon as something becomes successful, yeah. wait for the marketers, right? Yeah. When Pinterest blew up, we're just like, give it, give it a minute, give it yeah. a minute. And there it is, yeah. you know, and that's where it's being hurt. Yeah. And um, I, I don't, and it, but it goes even down to just ripping off content. You know, I got friends on Facebook who take a Reddit post or something like that, post it on theirs. Don't even say they read it on, on Reddit. And, they're like, because they want to be the funny guy at the party. Yeah. And and I'm like, well, it's just now I just look at you differently. Yeah. And it's just like, if you don't give credit, you're taking credit. Absolutely. And it's not, you know, respectful. People can make a damn good living. I, I like to give an analogy of content because a lot of people say, okay, well, if uh, 10% of the user base on the internet, you know, basically produces 90% of the content, you have a huge landslide in terms of consumers and, and consumption, right? Now, that being said, it's kind of like a DJ and you're, you have a music background, DJs make zillions of dollars, some of them, by simply remixing other people's original music. And I mean, that's a big thing. So a lot of people say, well, Ryan, if I don't have, you know, ideas or I'm not getting inspiration or maybe I suck on video or audio or I, I just don't have a creative brain to put out content. I said, become a really great DJ and make sure you yeah. give that DJ credit. And yeah. they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, 
do you know how many people I know that are content like kings out there and queens that are killing it and they don't they're not producing their own they're taking uh hey I just seen this on Scott's LinkedIn thanks so much Scott but here's my take on it and then all of a sudden they're like I love Scott no I disagree with that and then because I always say like if you're you know it's kind of like the kid in high school mm-hmm. if you weren't a great athlete or you weren't the popular a lot of people made a really good living in high school by hosting the party the, the party host was always the hey you know you're kind of like wow you know i'm going over to scott's house it's like what does scott actually do i, I don't really know what he does but he's a cool <laughs> guy and you can make a very good life by yeah. being the party host that well, means sorry go ahead yeah well that that's that, that it's, it's content curation <laughs> yes I, i've always been a huge fan of that of being the the community content curator. And if you go to the unmarketing Facebook page, and I don't care if you do or not, but if you go to it, you'll <laughs> see, you'll see the majority of, I'm talking 95% of the posts in the past five years in that page. And we have 67,000 people yep. on there. The 95%, and that's an underestimate of the content that is shared on that page is not ours. Uh, yeah. It's articles or videos we have found that we think will resonate with our audience and we share the source of it. So if it's, if it's a page that on uh, another Facebook page that shared the video, like we just shared the Gillette ad from yesterday mm. from, from Gillette's page. Yep. So it, we shared it versus taking the source video out and uploading it again. Uh, and so we become the curator of the conversation. Mm. And mm. that is a great way to have additional content always going out. And I always had it where it was almost like a 95 to one rule for me, which was 95 tweets or messages, whatever it was, is going to be about other things and other commentary. And then one was going to be about what I was doing or selling or pitching. Mm. And I, I, back in the day, I had tweeted 10,000 times before ever mentioning anything mm. that I was pushing or promoting or selling 10,000 tweets. I remember you 85, s- 85% of those were replies. I remember you saying that you, you use your Twitter and you said, I don't use my Twitter as a, as a, as a megaphone to blast out. I use it to really engage and interact with people. So it's funny when you do go to somebody's Twitter and all you see is just this at, and they're just constantly talking to people. My whole perception of that person automatically is like, I really like this person. Just, I, I just have a good vibe because I feel like right. this person's here to actually talk and engage social crusade movements. Social media has opened up. I mean, just a can of whoop ass on the whole world. Uh, and I love it. If you're an asshole, social media is just going to make you look like a huge asshole. If you're an amazing person, you're just going to become this. You know, it's just amplified everything. So when you have movements like Me Too, when you have brands like Colin Kaepernick, uh, sorry, Nike pushing out Colin Kaepernick, really going into these heavy, heavy topics and situations that brands would never touch back in the day yep. just because of obvious reasons. What is your take on that, um, both from Scott, the speaker, the marketer, and then just as a human being? Yeah, I did this. Um, I was on CBC yesterday talking about this, talking about mm. brands taking a stand because of Gillette coming out with their new commercial about, you know, the best the man can get. And is it, you know, that we can do better? And uh, I love it. I, I, I do love knowing where people are like, it's just, just, it's like, it's like, you know, the, the, the old line, right? It's just shut up and dribble. We don't want our athletes talking. We don't want our brands talking. Yeah. We want you to score a basket. We want you to throw a touchdown and we want you to shave my freaking face by Gillette and not have an opinion. Well, I, I want the opinion. I want to be able to know that, um, what this brand supports so then I can choose to support them or not because mm. there's other choices out there and we choose to, shop let's say organic or we choose to shop local because of what it means to us well then i want to know from a consumer brand too what what's important to them if starbucks supports uh one of the first 
companies to support same-sex benefits and they hire mm. veterans and they have it, then I want to be able, I feel good about supporting them. There is now a new moral layer around purchasing decisions that yes. I think existed before, but we never knew that or we just pretended because there's brands out there that um, Alice and I call it the impenetrable brands, which is they could do anything mm. horrible and you'd still use them, right? So like you you have, you have, must have a brand that you are so loyal to that short of them actually murdering you, <laughs> like you would use them, right? Yeah. Like think about it. You, you've got to have brands you like, whether it's clothing yep. or food or coffee or drinks that you're loyal to, that you just, you would beat down people with, with a stick, you know, just to be able to keep using them. And, you, 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 and, and that's where most brands aren't that though. Mm. Right. You have brand loyalists, very strong, but the majority of consumers could eventually change if they're given a reason to. And for some reason, there was Colin Kaepernick being in their ads. So they're going to burn their Nikes and Nikes doing just fine. Right, <laughs> They're doing just fine right now. And it makes me want to wear Nikes. And um, although the children don't want me to, um, <laughs> you know, it, it makes me want to go buy a Gillette Razor because I know I now know where they st stand. You know, we don't take Uber. Because of how they've shown how they take a stand, mm. take Lyft. But if somebody comes out at Lyft and the executive, and all these things happen, then do we choose not to use them? And I, I really do love hailing a, a car service. So you're, you're like you're crossing your fingers that they don't mess something up. <laughs> but then we choose, you know. And yeah. um, you know, can you be an absolute um uh, moral buyer and user? Well, I don't know if any of us would be, still be on Facebook if we were, mm. you know, because of. Like, huge amount of ethical issues there and mm. but i it's not pushed past the point where i'm not comfortable using it because it's where we all are but you it, know it's where i stay okay okay facebook and privacy great topic and let's be honest here we're we're, we're people we we have to take an accountability over ourselves and what we put out right. there now if a company says scott i'm going to take your your data i'm not going to tell you about it and i'm going to go sell it off and harvest or whatever the heck they want to do but they also say uh, well, Scott, uh, sorry, if you don't want your kids pictures all over there, you don't want your personal life out there. You need to have a filter within your own house and your own compass to make sure that doesn't happen. How and, and I know it's a very kind of base question, but if you were to give a percentage of responsibility. So if we take Scott, he's responsible for his Facebook's responsible for being truthful. How like do you feel that Facebook's totally on the hook percentage wise in terms of they should be? telling and making that up front or should people kind of clue in and say where do you think all this information's going like who are you yeah. if you had to pick one side who would you pick and why i guess is kind of where i'm going with it it's that line of uh uh if they don't have a product you're the product mm. right mm. And, and so i i knew going into it just to be doing uh you know being on the internet for a couple of decades and understanding privacy and understanding value and the value the gold's always been in the list right that's our our old internet marketing term which was the email list. the gold was always in the information well now the gold is in the the, the list of data of, of what you've got so you know all these companies getting valuated at millions or billions of dollars when they have no revenue stream it's because of the data mm. and, and so you know I, I certainly knew that going in to, to facebook you know 10 12 years ago and same with twitter i just knew i was giving it up i just don't I just don't care. Yeah. You yeah. know, I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't care what Apple knows about me or Facebook. And if you're going to go use that to better target an ad for me, then all right. <laughs> now, it's the, you know, it's it, although it's a little different now, it feels different. I don't know how you feel. It feels different now that it's not about just about privacy. 
but it's about manipulation on a larger scale. I, I think advertising is a form of manipulation, depending on how you look at it. But I think like with the whole election type of thing and the the interference and the um, and then like, you know, the, the stuff that's recently come out too. you know, like the it's it gets kind of creepy if they're listening, you know, or reading the messages or people just had access to private messages. A bunch of brands had that. Um, but, you know, I, I just think that we have shifted everything to digital databases. And for that sake, unless it's written in a piece of paper in your pocket, your only threat is getting mugged by one person but now have an incredible amount of value in your wallet and there's 10,000 people or infinite around trying to grab that wallet from you all day, every day, 24 seven. And that's what data is digitally, the hacking's happened. A lot, most of the things, these things haven't got found out except they've gotten hacked, mm. you Here, know, where- Here's how I feel about this. I feel that humans are flawed. We're, we're just very flawed individuals and I think that's very beautiful. But I think that just like in anything, there's a reason why, you know, 1% of the population control a lot of the wealth. There's a reason why when you you have one person and good or bad, this person could influence a lot of people to do a lot of great things or a lot of bad things, right? I posted on LinkedIn the other day and I said, you know, I need to be more conscious of where I lead people in my circle, in my life, in my social media, in my audience. Where am I leading them in 2019? Whether it's I get on an elevator and then somebody smiles at me and I don't smile back. Well, maybe I've led this person to not a great feeling. Whether I say, you know what, Ryan, I'm going to take an extra minute and just have a deep conversation. And now maybe this will change the course of this person's day. People are kind of caught up with this. I want to be a leader. We're all kind of leaders. Very, you know, some are on big and but we're all leading throughout our very small portions of our day. Right. And I would argue that some of the best leaders in the world, if I asked what their daughter or son thought of them, that leader did not lead their own damn kids to a great place. And that being said, there's a huge context and kind of parallel there. So when we talk about privacy, I've just, I'm just very, I don't know, I'm kind of an old soul, but I'm just like, come on, like, let's use our common sense here and know, like, if somebody's saying, here's my product for free, I'm not charging you a monthly subscription. How is this person, how is, I'm, I'm a Facebook stock shareholder, I own stock. How is this company valued at, xyz but they don't charge me anything so i get that so i, I kind of hear what you're saying but i do think that people just as a whole we have to be more accountable and that's kind of where i feel we, with we, that we we, we do because we and, and we don't read we don't read terms of service contracts we don't <laughs> and, and, and 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 by the way rightfully so like they're, they're ridiculous they're made to be ridiculous of course they're made to make players money and buried somewhere and there's an anti-arbitration clause or something like that and you're just like i ain't reading this click click I, you know i need my fix and and, and nor do I blame, I, I don't think everybody should read them because they're near, nearly impossible to, to get through. But we are, we are the product and, and, um, and there's certain levels, you know, especially in the, the Facebook's going to get, has been, is going to get nailed even more in the EU for this type of stuff there because their privacy rules are, and, and Canada, give it credit, is, is certainly much more stringent on privacy rules as well. Mm. You know, Can't Spam Act, especially is what, what really started it for Canada, putting us on the privacy map. But you know, it's just it's we 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 thrive when we need community, and Facebook's got the the biggest one there is right now. And uh, will that change? Well, this is the first crack in an armor I've really seen on Facebook, like yeah. I uh, of of a uh, legislation because that's what really can change it. It's, oh yeah, it's the, you know the the legislators can really hurt it and change it. And, and when it's a borderless company, you know you still have to abide by all the rules of all the different places yeah. in all the countries regardless of where your servers are located and 
it's going to be an interesting next year or so. And, and people are like, well, yeah, but young people aren't on Facebook. So that's going to dry it up on that. And I'm like, people live a long time. Mm. And so the person who's 50 right now on Facebook will probably still be on it when they're 70. And, and okay, so maybe, maybe it's not unending growth. And when was the last time a 15 year old wanted to do what their parents were doing? <laughs> right. I mean, you want to make a, you want to make a bar uncool, have your dad show up, you know, that's what <laughs> Facebook is. But when you then finish school or finish college or university and go into the workplace and everybody else is on Facebook there, then you will end up on there. And um, so I'm not concerned with Facebook staying and people are like, well, MySpace was huge and then it then it died. Well, my, you, you, are you comparing the numbers? Are you really comparing the numbers of, the, of those two places? And, um, you know, and uh, I just don't think that it's going to go anywhere anytime soon. I don't think there's going to be a next Facebook necessarily. I just think it's going to alter from its current form. Absolutely. To be more accommodating for legislative wise or, or and we are we will be a little less gung-ho to share uh some are you a this test or this test and giving our data up to people i think but i don't i actually don't have a lot of faith in humans so i don't think we're gonna be smarter <laughs> do you remember icq scott oh yes I do, man. yes right i i, I it's too. so funny because i it's gotta be i actually miss it i actually held on to my blackberry because of bbm for the longest time I just love yes. well, I, I love BBM so much and WhatsApp and and iMessage just never changed up. Still to this day, I don't feel the same as I felt about BBM. Man, ICQ man of BBM. That's Allison. When Allison and I met, we both had Blackberries. Damn. Right. right? Yeah. I, I knew I had a, I knew I had a chance when she gave me her the BBM number. I'm you know, like, yeah. you know what's so funny? I could go up to a random stranger, assuming they're at least, I don't know, at least maybe 31, 32 and up. <laughs> And as soon as I say ICQ or BBM, they just smile. They just smile. It's like everybody has these. I don't know whether you are sending bad pictures or you're dating. It's like everybody has these. Fun, I'll, 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 I've had the most conservative people in front of me. And I'm like, do you remember ICQ and BBM? And all of a sudden, they're, they, they start looking up in the sky. And they're. it's like they have these beautiful uh, memories so of it. It's, uh, B- BBM was the first place you could ever leave somebody on read. Yeah, you know, really, it was the first place you see the R or the D, right? Delivered or read, and yeah. you just like, oh, yes. Okay, I know Scott's time is valuable, so uh, you're a professional speaker, an amazing speaker. Um, I'll let Scott plug himself at the end, and I will write some amazing notes and all that. But you are a fantastic speaker, a very hard industry, I think, to be consistent and have longevity inside of. You have to constantly stay relevant. First of all, you have to be good. Uh, and then you have to be, you know, marketable and all of these things. You've got an article written on you. I'm sure there's several, but it basically said, man, this Canadian speaker is making a million dollars a year. And then I, when I read the article, I'm like, geez, Scott doesn't want that, man. CRA and the Revenue Canada. I'm like, and then I'm like thinking, I'm like, man, he's he's doing really well. And I'm like, but he has five kids. And then I'm trying to do the math. And I'm like, okay, those kids are this. If age ranges are that. I'm like, okay, so Scott has about $200 left at the end of the year after taxes, <laughs> and he just wants to buy some beard oil with it. But how do you, how, how do you get there? Um, is it something that I, I kind of want you to be super superficial and shallow, but as a speaker, did you say, as soon as I get to here, I feel like I'm the, like, I, I feel like I'm the man, you know, like how, I'm sure over the course of your speaking career, you're like, I get to choose who I spend time with. You know, even this podcast, I mean, I approached you and I did a lot of research before because I remember on LinkedIn, you had mentioned a post about somebody who had you on a podcast 
and you actually you didn't say the name but you're like i just felt like it was so basically it was not worth my time and then you mm -hmm. actually then contrasted it with a lady who sent you an actual book that you guys had actually spoke about not her book and said hey scott according to our conversation and you said it was just the best thing ever and i think you posted a picture of it but you made yeah. a point to say she didn't send me her book she sent me the book that we spoke about yeah, but that's that was the difference and i don't i don't do uh interviews anymore um uh, so you're welcome thank um, you i did <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> but we but we had a pre-existing relationship. Yeah. And yeah. and and I thought you're a good, good guy. So it's just like, yeah, yeah, we can do it. But this is probably this is my only one this month. Yeah. Because it's it what happens is is you'll get to this point of and you know, getting guests on show is an art form and it's there's a strategy to it and and depends on where the show is, right? If the show has the reach, then the guests want to get on. If of the course. show doesn't, then they want the guests. And of it's an interesting dynamic that kind of changes throughout time. And what the big issue for me was it was people who were, you know, kind of just promising sort of our audience is this big and this. And then, you know, it just it wouldn't do a lot. You'd see no reaction to it. But more, it was just lazy hosts. Mm. It was ones who just, you know, like they would say, so what, you know, what do you want me to ask you? I'm like, you're the you're the host, man. Like what I just do are your you job, serious? man. Yeah, are yeah. Like, well, yeah. What? So, what are you doing these days? I'm like, it's pretty much out there. Like, don't waste my time, man. It's like I feel like Al Pacino in Heat. I'm like, you know, I'm just like, don't waste my time. I'm screaming, and it's because I, I can't do it on the road. You know, yeah. I, I need to do it yeah. sitting in a mic. Sounds good, and because I doing a show ourselves, it's it's you need that quality. Kind of going full circle in this conversation. Um, but it's also the reason why we don't have guests on our show. Mm, interesting you know what that's a good point that's a good point we have 252 episodes i think and we've ever only ever had two guests uh three guests sorry and they were they were all friends of ours okay. and uh uh and so because um you don't have to go out and beg people i have a real problem asking people to do things anyways and it's just like i don't i don't want to have to hope and pray somebody's going to come on our show um plus but our, our content we, we have two of us we can just go back and forth on it but it was like guests would only come on the show when they had something to pitch or then they had they were in the they were in the book promo phase of something and so they'd go on all the shows and it just wasn't and there's too many things that can happen you know like you know it's timing and time zones and mics and connections and and that we didn't want that our bandwidth to then determine the quality um so it, it's it was a frustrating thing with they they all you know and i get why they want you on a show and i get why mm -hmm. i wanted to show and there's a nice little dance you do as a guest versus host and there's a lot of good ones out there and i was on a lot of good ones but mm. i also don't i don't like necessarily doing a lot of them and because mm. it because it's takes the time you know what you know what I, I travel so much that when i'm home you know we just want to hang out you know what i mean like i want to we just go alice and i will go to a mall walk around and we'll go have breakfast somewhere and um i i just think you want to do the ones that you're going to enjoy mm. and which i want to do this one and mm. uh, but with but even with speaking it's a fascinating industry and um and I, i'm one of the only speakers i know of out there that only does keynotes for a living mm. and um, um and because that's all i want to do and i have the privilege to only do them and mm. i want to i want to yell at people for an hour and then walk out and say i don't care if you implement anything and i go home you know and just like it doesn't matter mm. so you know it's an interesting dynamic out there of, of 
speaking because but but doing this i'm a speaker so mm-hmm. i should be able to do this thing well absolutely and it's also the reason why when you asked the start about you know doing the podcast and doing a, a why do we do it well because our my best asset is is this yes i, I can talk and i think i can keep people engaged to listen <clears throat> therefore if i'm a speaker the best way to showcase that is two things video of me speaking and then doing a podcast of me talking and that's how it works you know what it's so funny because uh as soon as it, it's funny how you have the dance as soon as that skype video goes on and you see that first two seconds i had another guest and he's he's cool but he was the he's the nike air jordan lead designer fantastic story and you you'd probably love him but it took a lot of cracks to get him and you got to go through PR and and all that stuff but the first 10 seconds this guy and he's all about psychology he tried to just like and he he admitted he threw me off he's he's like hey I was like oh my god because I watched every like interview and I'm like oh he's not he does not want to be here today and I'm like okay wait a sec and and he did it purposely and and I'm he's like yeah and his whole demeanor Scott he's sitting on his couch I mean this guy is like you know he's on every show you can think but He's sitting on his couch. He's like, yeah. And then you hear his kid. He's like, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to do this real quick. I'm like, what? The, I got all ready for this. My light is on. I'm like, what? oh, hell no. You think, oh, what? Oh, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, okay. All right, bro. Fist pump to that. You know, I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. So then about 20 seconds in, he's like, okay, I'm going to enjoy this. And the whole demeanor was, it was, yeah. it was fantastic. So I really yeah. appreciate you taking the time. Can I ask you one question? When I, when yeah. I met you in the back room there and, uh, I'm like, Scott, like I'm asking, I'm like, I should stop. I, I got to leave this guy alone. I could tell you're like, you know, you're trying drinking your coffee. You're like, I'm like, so Scott, what do you think of this? And you're, you're nice and talking and everything. And, and then I'm like, well, let's do a Snapchat. And even, even on the Snapchat, I showed my wife the Snapchat after. And she's like, you should have left the guy alone. You can tell he's like trying to get into his zone of speaking, but you're answering everything. But I remember walking out of the room and I'm like, just leave the, just leave the guy alone. But after that, I, I remember seeing you speak and I was just like, I got to follow this guy. I really like him. And it is interesting. Like I've sent you a message, kind of you know, commenting over the you know a couple of years and stuff. So I appreciate you coming on the show. Why do you? Yeah. How do you value an interaction? And why did you come on the show? Is it just I I have I respect this guy. You know, he kind of approached it smartly, or I got some time. Like why? I think it's a. I think the the audience can get a lot of value from. Yeah. 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 Why? For sure. Yeah, why I turn down twenty podcasts and I I do yours. Yeah. And, why? And because there was a pre-existing relationship that, that was the big that was really the biggest part which and now now that goes along with i think you're a, a good guy i think you got talent I, I, you're a great speaker and i love your stuff and and but also we connected before you wanted something uh, and that's a huge thing and and for somebody who gets mm. hit up all the time on it and I, i'm not trying to be that jackass bragging that everybody wants them on no, the show man, no like, no we get, we get hit up a lot of with course, stuff every of day course. Of course. And when you look at it, where it used to be, there was on, on, on Twitter, it was funny. It was like clockwork that uh, a guy would retweet my tweet and then you could set your watch for five <laughs> minutes. And within five minutes, he would DM me, say, hey, Scott, love that tweet. Can you share my oh, thing? Oh, Every time, man, I'm oh. talking six, seven times. The dude move. That's the dude move. That's like the night. Oh, it's a dude move. Oh, yeah. And that's where it's like, no. And I, I for me, it's also... Would I enjoy the conversation? And I enjoyed our conversation, regardless of mm. how I, I may have come off. And uh, I think it was a was it, was it I think it was in Calgary. I think we were in. Calgary. No, no, Calgary. It was Calgary. It wasn't. No, it was yeah. just. I remember because I had watched a lot of your stuff, and I thought, 
you know, when the same company brought us in, I, I just thought, man, I, I'm going to get to, you know, kind of get a, a good couple minutes with him. And I just wanted to get kind of a, a raw, uncensored, like we're in the, you know, we're in the green room. Just break yeah. it down for me. And you did. And you said, you know, I don't yeah. really enjoy marketing for for people. Yeah. And I like and I hope you take this to heart because I'm talking to you as a human. It changed my trajectory, man. I came home. Yeah. I had a long conversation with my wife and I said, I got to change the way I'm doing business. I have to change in order for me to be the best I can be based on what he said. It just you meet people in life sometimes and they'll, you know, they don't even understand the impact. So it just, yeah. it, it was good to hear somebody who's done a lot of good things say that because it's like, well, shit, it can be done. Okay, cool. You don't yeah. like marketing. For it. And, yeah. then, and then Seth Godin yeah. said, and I'm like, okay, we're on to something. We're on to something. Yeah, so I, pre- I appreciate you, man. I really do. Okay. Hey, likewise, man. Uh, um, Again, I think I wanted to ask Scott that only because for everybody who's listening, a lot of the questions and messages I get constantly are, Ryan, how do you get some of these guests? Ryan, how are you, you know, how are you doing that? And a lot of people are like, well, I tried and I got rejected. And I, I think my mandate for, for, for you listening and, and Scott kind of alluded is rejection is always good, but you, you cannot just ask somebody for something on your first interaction. And I firmly believe that you can't ask them for something on your second, third or fourth. It has to be a very genuine organic relationship from the start. So um, yeah, I, I just I build I build relationships with people I think are great people, and that's where mm-hmm. you know I, I I can I can wrap it up with with the story and from my favorite sure. place is Vegas, where <laughs> we were we were at a, a thing. I went to see a Cirque show, and I know a bunch of people that work at Cirque, and um, I told them I like hey, I saw the new Michael Jackson one Cirque show. I've seen it now four times, by the way. It's awesome. And, uh, <laughs> And I told them, he's like, you should let me know you're in town. I could have got you tickets. And I'm like, I didn't, I wasn't going to do that to ask you for tickets. And that's not why I know you. And he's like, you know what? There's two types of people in this world. People who shouldn't ask for stuff and do all the time. And people who don't ask for stuff who should. And he's like, you're in the latter. Let me, damn it. Let me know next time you're here. So it's just like, okay, so that's, but that's relationships to me. It's not relationships aren't, what am I going to get out of it? Relationships are like, this is going to make my world better. Mm. from you you, from you being in it not what you can give me Mm. there's a difference in that and we also and i spend we're we're very strict on this of who we spend our time with absolutely both virtually and in person absolutely because you only got one go around on this thing and Mm. rather i rather uh, to me a a real relationship a good relationship is whenever you depart from the conversation or from the interaction or from the visit you should be better Mm not drained not uh, worse absolutely absolutely taker there's the, the world is full of takers and not enough yep. givers and um but anybody who does not know scott and does listen i'm going to give you all all of that but i want to mention scott's wife allison uh scott probably already knows this allison is the showpiece out of scott and Al- and allison together <laughs> i mean when you hear her on the podcast she adds a whole different value and when yeah. scott says he leveled up in his life by meeting uh, this fine human i i totally agree with that i love the fact that you guys do it together my wife and i were the same i i you know we, we had a we have a two-year-old we have our baby girl on the way in may and we were our whole family was you know we we literally used the hashtag team holds and everybody i said well who's the team and i'm like my family i mean when i'm nothing this is this is all that matters so i love that you're doing that i think the foundation is way better when you got you know husband wife mom dad husband husband that with whatever whoever's your partner yeah. go out there and get it scott Great. thank you for your time please plug away how can people find you 
Um, if they don't or are not aware of you, if they're a conference uh, event planner, how like what's your spiel? What do you do, and uh, how can they find you? Uh, on marketing on every platform, everywhere you go, on marketing.com and the Unpodcast, the business show for the Fed Up. You can find everywhere. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much, Scott, for coming on. I'll let you know when it's up, and uh, I'm sure we'll continue the conversation. Thanks, man. Good ciao, seeing you. Ciao, man. Many blessings. See you, bud.